With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Awesome Start Sit Fantasy Football Show. I am your host, Matt Kajeski, taking you on this maiden voyage. And I'm here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. Kyle, what's going on, my man? I'm excited. We just had a football game last night. Crazy to think about the Chiefs and the Texans. You know, it wasn't always the most exciting game, but we got a lot of points. We love that for fantasy football. I think. You know, we should touch on this game just a little bit before we get going. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked like an absolute beast. What did you think of the game, man? Any takeaways we really have for fantasy football here? Yeah, I mean, nothing like, you know, if you missed out on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's too late. If you're reading this, it is too late, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire locked in. I think this was kind of, he was priced as if there was a small chance, and this was, uh, I think, a correct pricing. You were getting him, like, after Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, but that was about it. Sometimes, you know, Miles Sanders snuck up there. Now, I, we know the floor is there now. It's, we've arrived. The Miles, the, the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype train has docked. We are here, and I think it's it's pretty safe to call him as the lead, clear lead back on the Chiefs, like a top, a top five, if not, like, pushing into that top three space with those other guys. We still like didn't get a ton of run in the receiving game, but it was, you know, they didn't need to really throw too much. They were up consistently. So for me, I think that will still come. He was an incredible receiving back in college. Now he's an incredible between tackles runner in the NFL. The receiving game will come. And the other big note was Will Fuller, man. He is, he is legit. I talked about him going into last night as a guy who you should have been getting in your season long leagues. You should have been getting him in your showdown lineups. Goes eight for 112, doesn't manage to find the end zone, but the Texans didn't do much of that anyways. He's he's legit. I think he could be like a – I would project him to be, as long as he's healthy, a wide receiver one. Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to Clyde Edwards-Solaire and Will Fuller going forward. But that's not the topic for today's show. We are here to discuss start sits for fantasy football in week one. So if you have those start sit questions, throw those into the chat. And before we get going here, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. So, you know, when we're live now heading into week one, it's been a little interesting, I think, compared to normal years, no preseason. I would say there's less injuries to talk about, but there's still some notable injury situations that might be affecting your lineup in week one. You know, Miles Sanders was on the injury report. There's a little bit of questions about his workload. Jalen Rieger surprisingly pops up for a full practice. And then we've had a couple guys actually pop up on the injury report this week. My first question for you, we have the Eagles in a really nice matchup going against the Washington football team. What do we do with Miles Sanders and Jalen Rieger if we have them on your fantasy teams? Can we actually start a guy like Jalen Rieger in week one? For me, I'm probably still out. I'm starting starting Jalen Rieger week one, and based on where you drafted him, you, you probably shouldn't have to start him. I don't know. Maybe some people went hyper running back, and you know he's their second or third receiver. I don't think you need to start him, and I think there's so much uncertainty. And I do think there's like good target competition ahead of him with a guy like Deshaun Jackson, and at like the other non-receiver positions, they have probably I don't know I don't know if people you know care. 
one of the best, if not the best tight end tandem in the entire league, because few teams run like too deep at really high end talent at tight end, like they do with Dallas Goddard, obviously Zach Ertz, even a guy like Boston Scott can catch passes out of the backfield. And we know they're willing to run too tight end. I think they could, they could run more to running back. So for me, he's a guy that I'm probably waiting. I don't think you need to start him. And I like, I like some other options on this team better. Miles Sanders, like you said, you know, you're starting him if he's playing. There's no, there's no two ways about it. A first round pick and a guy that I was really excited for. I don't think, I think maybe in week five, he has a, a better workload than he has in week one because of this injury, but it's not enough to, to get me to not start him by any means. For sure. I mean, we're talking about a Philadelphia team that just lost 150 carries from their offense, most of which coming from Jordan Howard but it's a team favored by nearly a touchdown in week one. Even if Miles Sanders is limited, I think he's still a really good option in week one. But let's get to some of these injuries that we just had pop up. We had Mike Evans did not practice on Thursday. Pops up on the injury report midweek. Cortland Sutton, he goes down with a shoulder. He's now questionable for Monday night football. And we have Kenny Galladay as well. He is expected to potentially practice today. I'm seeing some reports coming out of Detroit right now that he is still questionable for week one. What do we do with Evans, Galladay, Sutton? We're talking about some top five round draft picks here. Are you confident in any of them right now or is this we need to kind of wait and see on more information? Yeah, in terms of if they're going to play, it's hard to be confident. I wonder maybe that's sort of the consequence, the price we had to pay for the off seasons if these guys come into their first actual week of practice. Because for a guy like a veteran like Mike Evans, his training camp doesn't have to be much. Week one practice has to be a week one practice. And maybe that's the price we're paying is we're seeing so many like specifically receivers pop up with these like soft tissue type injuries that are not only like difficult for them, but hard for us to project what's going to happen. Like you had to, if you had, if you had Mike Evans on your roster, you had to make a decision last night. Did you want to play like Brandon cooks when you found out he was playing? These are the decisions you have to make for me. I expect to see all three of the guys we just mentioned, all three of the receivers playing. I saw good notes on Mike Evans getting some reps in practice today. I saw that out of a Bucks beat reporter. So I think all these guys are playing. And in terms of the, the teams, we love the teams they play on. I, well, I don't love the Broncos. We love the teams that Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay play on. Their passing output is crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Drew Locke. I'm. I was not awfully impressed with what uh, what he did. And absolutely, he came into a difficult situation as a as a guy who got like no training camp reps. He wasn't the one until the middle of the year. But they weren't like they were couching his his just overall throwing attempts. They wanted to play a slow style. So. I think Cortland Sutton is a guy who you have to at least consider putting on your bench. You don't necessarily have to start him, especially because you could have gotten, you know, two or three receivers before him. You could have gotten guys after him. Like I love Deshaun Jackson. If you have Deshaun Jackson on your roster, I'd probably make the decision to go him over Cortland Sutton. You can still start Sutton, but for me, there, there's some serious downside risk, both in his offense being so crowded and with a quarterback I'm not confident in. And there's obviously now injury risk. So for me, he's a guy that he's of the three, the one I would consider benching the other two, if they're health or if they're playing at all, they're in my roster. For sure. Brendan Bowling in the chat. We have some word out of Detroit this morning. The quote is that he's very limited in practice today. Still seems like he's going to be a questionable player, maybe a game time decision here. That's Kenny Galladay again we're talking about. I think if Galladay does sit, you probably boost up Marvin Jones a little bit here. Maybe you start looking at a guy like Danny Amendola who's playing in the slot against the Bears, but that's still an overall pretty tough matchup. There's also a question in the chat from Stafford versus Mitch Trubisky. I still prefer Matthew Stafford in that game they have a fairly strong offensive line i know they're replacing the entire right side but if they can just protect stafford from the pressure the bears have in khalil mack i think he should be able to get off a pretty decent game he had three 100 yard games last year i think that was more like odell beckham and like a nicked up tyreek hill he was a dude who like it, it's ugly but he was putting up numbers and it's largely i would say not a product of him being like an odell beckham level talent despite putting up more 100 yard games it's a product of how prolific this passing offense was and that tails nicely into yes i am taking i'm, I'm taking stafford over a lot of quarterbacks definitely much trubisky we saw he was on pace for nearly 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns last year this is a team that is going to be throwing the ball a lot that is just i think that's their style to play given how lacking their running back team their running back room has been and DeAndre Swift coming in on a bad offseason already in terms of what you want your rookies to get 
in terms of, you know, training camp reps and practice reps. And now, you know, he's injured too. I expect him to play, but that doesn't bode well for how many, how many snaps he gives. So they have this meh running back room and one of the, the better receiving rooms, one of the better quarterbacks. I think Stafford is a great play this week. And I, I just love him in season long too. Like in best ball, he was a guy who had a ton of Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola would both be big bumps for me if Kenny Galladay doesn't end up playing. For sure. We can touch on the Bears' corners right here. It's a quietly decent matchup. They have Kyle Fuller, of course. He's a guy that actually allowed nearly 900 yards in his coverage on 67 catches. They're also playing rookie Jalen Johnson. You know, they brought in Artie Burns to compete for this job. He goes down, tears his ACL this offseason. Jalen Johnson is also recovering from offseason shoulder surgery. He's now going to have to play a major role and step up for this Bears defense. That's quietly a pretty good matchup for Marvin Jones. There's another question in the chat. Does TJ Hawkinson see more targets if Galladay sits or is limited? I think Hawkinson probably would. He's a guy that actually ran out of the slot on 32% of his routes last year. Really impressive prospect, 367 yards as well. I think Hawkinson would immediately enter the streamer conversation if we get news that Galladay does sit this game. One other pretty big injury note I think that affects fantasy lineups and potential streaming is coming out of Jaguars camp. We have Divine Oxigbo. He's not going to play in this game. Now, the Jaguars are playing the Colts. Are you interested in James Robinson or Chris Thompson as potential streamers in week one? Yeah, Chris Thompson would only ever crack my roster if I was playing in a PPR league because I really don't see much of a role for him. Like, the, you know, that, that's what he is. That's what he does. He is a guy who is electric on his touches, but they're mostly just catches out of the backfield. James Robinson... I'm not sure how you got to a point at week one where you would need to start him, but I am excited for him. Like he's a guy who he went for, he was like 364 carries and over 1900 yards in his final season at SES school, Illinois state, like small competition aside, he was incredible. And I do think that can translate in some sense to NFL success between the tackles. The problem is they're supposed to be losing not only this game, but just every game They're They have the lowest season long win total. I think they're like, are they like minus eight in this game or something or plus eight, I guess minus eight underdogs. So that doesn't bode well for guys, you know, who are basically just between the tackles players, which I think is probably James Robinson's role. I'm not sure how you would possibly get to a point where you need to start James Robinson, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I think he has, he, you can easily project him to get double digit carries alone, maybe a target or two. So I like him, although it's crazy that you got yourself to this point already. Yeah. One strategy question that just popped up. It kind of has to do with guys playing on Monday night football, maybe Sunday night football, and it pertains to Cortland Sutton. So maybe he goes into this game as a game time decision. Do you play it safe and bench Cortland Sutton and maybe start the options given in the chat where Anthony Miller, Marvin Jones, and Michael Gallup, I would prefer to start Marvin Jones and Michael Gallup in this situation, but just overall too, I want to get your take on this. If you have a guy who's maybe a game-time decision in Monday Night Football. How are you approaching that? And then do you like Jones and Gallup over Sutton? Yeah, I would take injury or not, probably Michael Gallup. I think they they have like one of the most exciting games of the week. And in terms of the overall approach, it really depends on what I think I can get out of like my backups. If if say I get I get screwed and I leave Kenny Galladay in, but I have Marvin Jones on my roster, I went with like, you know, the Stafford stack. I'm okay with that. If Marvin Jones wasn't slated to start for me and then he jumps into that starting gig, I think that's okay. So it depends on what your your alternative is in the worst case scenario and in the best case scenario. Like for, for Cortland Sutton over Michael Gallup, I would just, you know, I'm taking Michael Gallup over him straight up this week anyways. So I have no problem putting Cortland Sutton on the bench for Michael Gallup. If I don't have anyone behind like a, a Kenny Galladay, I would be massively concerned at getting him in, you know, getting him in my starting lineup and just taking a zero or picking up like uh, they have uh, like Quintus Cephas. When I don't know, is he like their fourth or something? I have no clue. Do they still have it's like TJ TJ Hall? I have no clue. So for me, it's uh, it really depends on what your your downside risk is. If you have good alternative options, I'd probably take the safer approach and, and take like a you know Michael Gallup for instance. Yeah, I, I we're in lockstep here. There's a number of players in tough matchups. Kind of what we were getting at earlier. You know, guys like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, they're facing the Baltimore secondary. We have the Miami receivers going up against New England, so that affects Devontae Parker. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, we talked about them a little bit in a perceived difficult matchup against Chicago. What are you doing with guys like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, you know, guys that see a massive opportunity? Odell Beckham in particular, he was 12th in targets last year, third in air yards in the entire NFL, but now he's slated to go up against Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, and Tavon Young, and that just 
elite Baltimore secondary. Is there any chance you're benching these guys this week? Yeah, those aren't guys I'm benching. I think it's like, uh, for me, if I if I have players who I believe are elite talents and specifically with like elite quarterback play, if I love, you know, if you loved a guy like Rashad Perriman for whatever reason, maybe Jameson Crowder is the better answer. If you love Jameson Crowder, I still can't get on board as him being a guy that could maybe beat defenses on his own because he still needs good targets. I think Cleveland is going to get good targets. I think these receivers have a good quarterback. We saw he was one of the best Baker Mayfield was, one of the best college quarterbacks ever in terms of how efficient he was in multiple seasons of college football and then throws the most touchdowns for a rookie ever. Then last year, obviously, kind of the wheels come off. I believe he will return to being a really good, if not great, quarterback. So, no, I'm not I'm not sitting down on Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry on my bench. Those are guys who I believe they're talented enough, their quarterback is talented enough, and this should be at least a good game for, for the passing game script that I want to get those guys in. For sure. Speaking of the Jarvis Landry, Cleveland Brown situation, we have a pick two out of these three players. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half point PBR. Jarvis Landry versus Marquise Brown versus Deshaun Jackson. For me, I'm still probably going to try to get Jarvis Landry in my lineup, especially now with the news that Rager, Jalen Rager, that is, is back to a full practice. He will affect Deshaun Jackson, I believe. So for me, it would be Landry and Marquise Brown. Do you have a different take on that, Kyle? I think you could make I'm, – I'm still very excited about Deshaun Jackson's promise as long as he's healthy, and I do think we're going to see very limited snaps out of Jalen Rieger. So that's that's how I would spin it if you want me to give the opposite take, but I actually agree with you. So I, I'm taking – I'm trying to get Jarvis Landry in my lineup, and I love I love the little mini game stack you get out of it too. And Marquise Brown, we saw like when this team has to pass, they, they do it so incredibly well. It's just they didn't have to pass often last year. I think if Cleveland is able to keep it close, it will be just a laser light show for Marquise Brown. For sure. I'm all in on Marquise Brown this year. He's a dude that, you know, once he got healthy a little bit last year, they had the buy in the playoffs. So they could get Marquise Brown to at least rest for a week. His snap share jumped from 59%, what he averaged in the regular season, all the way up to 85%. He had 11 targets in that game. He's an absolutely massive big play threat. And I think that's what you want in your fantasy lineups, not just DFS too. These are the guys that win you week. So I love Marquise Brown. Got a question about how we're we're feeling on James Conner for week one only versus the New York Giants. I don't know about you, but I love James Conner this year. He's someone that's quietly handled the bell cow role in Pittsburgh. The, the thing with James Conner is he just can't stay healthy. He's presumably healthy ahead of week one, a guy that catches passes for what's expected to be a Pittsburgh offense that will see positive regression. So I like James Conner, not just for week one, but I'm pretty bullish on him season long. Any Any qualms with him? Yeah, I was I was blanketly just not taking running backs in that range of like three, four, five rounds. He, his price creeped up. He was my one exception. I was so in on James Conner that I broke my rule of not taking like these middle round running backs. Because yeah, you said it. When he's healthy, and we can expect him for now to be healthy, he is absolutely one of the league's premier three down backs. And Mike Tomlin has come out time and time again throughout training camp saying he's our guy, calling him a bell cow, speaking that fantasy goodness to us, calling him a bell cow. For me, as long as he's healthy, he is a three down back. And maybe Mike Tomlin has him in some fantasy leagues. He's like, yeah, he's getting all three. He's getting goal line work. It's going to be, you know, a lot of touchdown equity. And we're like, Tomlin, why are you talking like that? He's like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree 100%. I love James Conner. One other question. It's another pick two situation. It's, Full point PPR, Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hilton versus Deontay Johnson, the Pittsburgh Steelers receiver, that is. In that situation, it's still McLaurin-Hilton for me without any real injuries to consider. I'm always going to go with those alpha receivers over Deontay Johnson, who I think he's probably the number two behind Juju Smith-Schuster, but I still think there's even questions there with James Washington in, in the picture. So even in tough matchups, I still want those alpha receivers seeing the elite target share. So that would be McLaurin and Hilton for me. Any any difference for you, Kyle? Yeah, I'm actually big on James Washington this year. Like I, he was significantly more efficient in like every way you measure it than Deontay Johnson. So you say that he's probably the two. Like there's a it's maybe the two. Yeah, there's definitely a chance that he's the three. 
Like at no point I can't imagine myself taking a number, a potentially number three receiver over these dominant alpha receivers. And yeah, like like you said, you know, targets are targets. I want guys getting all of the targets. T.Y. Hilton and Terry McLaurin project to be that well more than Deontay Johnson. For sure. So let's talk a couple other difficult matchups. I think some people that probably took the New York Jets players are one struggling with injuries. We we have Brashad Perriman dealing with some some knee soreness, and then Denzel Mims actually hurt his other hamstring this morning. But the real player I want to touch on a little bit here is Le'Veon Bell. You probably spent a four. Are you starting this guy confidently? And I guess moving forward, what are your thoughts on just Le'Veon Bell on a week to week basis? Yeah, he like he wasn't producing explosive plays last year. He wasn't able to score touchdowns because this offense didn't score. For me, I mean, if you've if you've drafted him, you probably don't have a ton of other options. He's probably a guy that you're forced to start, and he is going to get a lot of carries and a decent amount of targets. I'm not looking forward to starting him if I have him. I have him in so very few leagues that I don't have to make this decision. I just don't want to tie myself, you know, tie my high fantasy picks to to Jets. The Jets, are, I don't project them to be a very good offense, and especially against a very solid Buffalo defense. You have to start him if it's a PPR league. Hopefully you can bank into some, some receptions. He's not a guy I'm looking forward to. I mean, you know, you, you drafted him. We haven't seen anything yet, so maybe you're not trading him now, but he's a guy that I, I'd be looking to even, like, sell low on after a few bad weeks. I just don't. I'm not trying to tie myself down to Jets, honestly. For sure. So on the the tough mashups situation, you know, I agree with you 100% on the Le'Veon Bell take. I think you're pro- if you draft him, you probably are forced to start him, even against Buffalo. But are there any matchups you're really truly avoiding? Any studs in tough positions you'd maybe consider benching at this point? I know we hit Cleveland versus Baltimore. That's a really tough matchup for all of their players. Miami going against New England in that secondary Detroit, Chicago, New York, Buffalo, maybe even Arizona taking on San Francisco. What matchups are you not feeling great about that you might look at some streamers? Given that all of my teams have sick receiver depth, I'm definitely considering putting Devontae Parker on the bench. There's there's few times where I actually consider matchup to be like a matchup to be so bad that I can't play a guy that I drafted with like a top five round pick. And we did see Devontae Parker had a really good game the second time he faced New England last year. But my teams often have good receivers. You could face, uh, you know, a Devontae Parker versus Marquise Brown or a Michael Gallup. Deshaun Jackson, even though I'm high on this week, these are guys that I'm considering if, you know, two guys I named Marquise Brown. We talked about T.Y. Hilton earlier. All guys in this difficult matchup, Devontae Parker not coming in at 100% help either. I would consider taking, you know, taking the banking those safe points and not having to face all of my targets going into Stephon Gilmore with him almost certainly covering Devontae Parker all game. It can happen. We saw we saw how it was week 17 last week, last season, that Devontae Parker got the better of this matchup. It could definitely happen again. But if I have the other options, he's a guy that out of all the difficult matchups, I would actually consider benching. Right. Devon, it's going to be hard to bench Devontae Parker because of where you drafted him. A guy with 1,200 <laughs> yards last year, nine scores. There's going to be tight coverage everywhere in the secondary. I think Stefan Gilmore probably covers Devontae Parker here. I think you probably could even extend this, you know, tough coverage out to Preston Williams, who was quietly, I believe their number one wide receiver till he went down. He's going to draw the coverage with some combination of McCourty, JC Jackson, and Jonathan Jones, all of which were excellent in coverage last year. I think if you're trying to leverage this tough secondary with new England, maybe you take a look at Mike Jasicki. He's a guy who ran a ton of routes out of the slot. He actually ran the most slot routes of any tight end since the days of Tony Gonzalez, believe it or not. So I think he could potentially see some light coverage here. We have another question from the chat. Straight up, Jarvis Landry versus Jamison Crowder. I am going Jarvis Landry for a couple reasons, even despite the tough matchup against the Baltimore secondary. Jarvis Landry was quietly used in a really efficient way. I mean, his volume was very similar to Odell Beckham last year alone on targets alone. This is a guy that actually out-targeted Odell Beckham last year. He had 138. He also had nearly 1400 air yards. That's a little bit different than the, you know, the days of Jarvis Landry in Miami, where he was just this low a dot receiver. We saw him opened up a little bit. So I still think I'm preferring Jarvis Landry, just a lot more upside than Jamison Crowder, who's also quietly in a really tough spot there. What do you think? Yeah, I'm completely aligned with that. I, I'm trying to get who I think would be almost certainly a more talented player on the field 
in Jarvis Landry, I think he'll play for the better offense. And despite, like you said, you know, Cleveland has a bad matchup. You don't want to be facing the Bills as your offensive weapons either. So for me, the matchup is at least equal for both of them or, or close enough to equal that I'm going with talent. I'm going with essentially getting these short A dot Miami targets. He moved up in the field a little bit. That's more value for fantasy. He's a guy who I would clearly take over Jameson Crowder. For sure, guys. And I just want to thank James. Make sure to check out the Osmo NFL rankings. They are free today, along with our NBA lineup builder. And to sign up for Osmo, go to osmo.com backslash join. We have a variety of membership packages available for all durations of time, even as short as on a weekly basis. Again, NFL rankings free today on osmo.com. But a couple other questions. There's a tight end question here. Evan Engram versus Jack Doyle in PPR. This is actually a really interesting question now. Jack Doyle projects to see in every down roll, we had Trey Burton land on injured reserve. He, I mean, injured reserve only three weeks, but it seems Jack Doyle is going to work into a full-time role with Phillip Rivers, a guy we know loves to target the tight end position in a position that's as volatile as tight end. You know, it's a highly touchdown dependent position. Are you considering benching a bona fide tight end one like Evan Ingram for a player like Jack Doyle? No, I'm probably still rolling with Evan Ingram here, but it is it is a shame that I have to start him over a guy who I really like the situation with Jack Doyle. Like you said, they they have no other. I think like Mo Ali Cox is probably their number two tight end, and he missed he missed most. Like I like I'm only half joking. He missed most of training camp too. He was uh, I think like active NFI list for a while. So they have just no one. He is going to play every single snap. He plays for a quarterback in Philip Rivers who is just always in on his tight ends. So I like him. I just think Evan Ingram, like a bona fide stud tight end, I'll take him over Jack Doyle. But Jack Doyle, a great streaming option if you need options for you. If you do find guys in a tough match, I do like Stefan Diggs in this matchup. Like Kyle said earlier, this is a potential spot where I would consider benching Devontae Parker with a tough matchup doesn't really mesh with what Josh Allen does well. He completed only 25% of his deep balls. That was 33rd in the NFL. Still, I don't just like penciling in Stefan Diggs to this deep receiver only role. I really think he can win everywhere in this offense. And I think he'll probably see more than 94 targets last year. Josh Allen supported a thousand yard receiver in John Brown already. Stefan Diggs is someone I believe in this year. What are you doing with Diggs versus Devontae Parker in that PPR flex spot? Yeah, I'll take, I, I agree. I, I, I think Josh Allen gets a bit too much credit as being a deep ball thrower. He's like, he's got a strong arm, but like he's got the biggest caliber bullet and he never hits his mark. He's one of the least accurate deep ball throws, despite having a strong arm, you know, he can, what he can sit on his knees or whatever and throw it between the goalposts from the 50 receivers have a little less separation in the width of the goalposts. I will say though, I still like Stephon Diggs just because I think Stephon Diggs might be might be the perfect receiver for him because he's such a technical route runner, such an efficient route runner, can make even the best defensive backs look silly. And that is not something that only works at like a deep, deep level. It works at every level. So I do think he might be like the perfect guy to mesh, a guy who can generate so much separation, which is what Josh Allen needs. He needs guys to have a significant step on their defensive backs. Stephon Diggs could be that guy for him. So for me, he does more than a guy like John Brown does, who I, I think John Brown is probably closer to the actual, just like just a deep threat than Stephon Diggs is, who I think is one of the best, if not the best route runners in the league. I like Stephon Diggs here, although I think once we move off of the New England matchup, it'll get a lot closer. That does scare me a bit for Devontae Parker. For sure. So we've, we've gathered that you're potentially benching Devontae Parker this week. If you have a guy like Devontae Parker on your team and maybe you suffered some other injuries in your lineup, say Kenny Galladay sits or something, and you have to take the streamer route. I think there's a lot of interesting spots we could look to streamers. There's, of course, a really sneaky matchup, Las Vegas versus Carolina with a lot of quiet receivers I like. It, it seems there's some people in the chat that have some potential streamer questions at tight end. We just had one come in. It's Eric Ebron versus Noah Fant in a full point PPR. I'm fully expecting Noah Fant to see an increased role this year for Denver. I expect his targets to rise and his snapshot overall. With There was a lot of buzz about Eric Ebron playing in the slot and being mostly a full-time player there, but I'm still going to bank on Fant, especially if Cortland Sutton ends up sitting. Fant would be, would be the play I take there. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of similar with the, the Evan Ingram-Jack Doyle dichotomy. I like the second player, but as a streamer, I'm still going with the guy I took higher in Noah Fan, who I believed was one of the better tight end prospects in recent years. If you look at the numbers he put up alongside another first-round tight end in TJ Hawkinson on the same team, it's crazy that they both got to the same college and were like, just like Noah Fan just plays receiver, essentially. He's just 
positionless player at tight end. That's great for fantasy. I want these like PPR studs at my tight end position. And you look at what he did last year as a rookie, which tight ends never do. Like TJ Hawkinson's whatever 360 some yard season is not bad for a tight end. Noah Fant going off like consistently was so much more impressive. Like when you look at the tight ends who are productive as their rookie seasons, most of them go on to be like week in week out studs for the rest of their career. It's guys like, like Gronk and Hernandez did it together as rookies. So for me, Noah fan, I, I think he is like a long-term stud in the NFL. And I think that starts with week one. Agreed. This streamer question that we're talking about now, I think this pertains mostly to the tight end position, mostly to the quarterback position. They're the onesie positions in your fantasy league, aside from maybe tight end, if you have some, some fancy flex rules or something like that. There are a lot of QBs in tough matchups. Another question from the chat from Chris G. He has two QBs in some tough matchups in week one. We have Baker Mayfield versus Daniel Jones. He also adds, or should I just go get someone else? Between those two, I'm going to pick Daniel Jones. It's not anything to do with the matchup, but it has everything to do with his rushing upside. He's a guy that actually does provide you something on the ground. So I, just based on that alone, I think the edge would go to Daniel Jones. But I would certainly take a gander at your, your waiver wire. There's a couple matchups that I part particularly really like, and one is this Las Vegas-Carolina matchup. Man, I smell a shootout brewing here. It is a total four Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Three, seven and a half. Both of these teams have major questions on defense. Do you think Teddy Bridgewater can get it done? Or even Derek Carr on the other side there, Kyle? Yeah, they're kind of similar players in that they're efficient and a bit conservative maybe in how they choose to not go deep very often. But they're efficient when they do throw the ball. Generally, they get their guys, you know, they happen to be short ADOT guys, but they get these guys the ball at an efficient rate, completing like an above average completion percentage over expectation. And although it's not flashy, it does build fantasy points, especially in PPR leagues. And I think that's what we're seeing with this total is that it's two quarterbacks who maybe go a bit underrated playing against each other, also getting to face each other's terrible, terrible defenses. So, yeah, this is a game that I think you could look to for your streaming. I would go Teddy Bridgewater, but I think, you know, Carr could be a fine option as well. I think I just want to find the upside of maybe this, this revamped Carolina offense. Both sides are great. On the other side, you have two receivers who Henry Ruggs probably went drafted in almost every fantasy league. Brian Edwards, a guy who you could pick up and at least hold on to. He's probably, I'm not sure again, how'd you get to week one and start Brian Edwards? Although I'm sure some of my receiver heavy teams, I'm sure I have at least one team with Devonte Parker and one of like Kenny Galladay and uh, you know, Corlin Sutton or something. So I can see how you get there. Brian Edwards, incredibly dominant in terms of the market share of like receiving yards and touchdowns. He saw at Carolina, South Carolina for all four years too. And he had an incredible breakout age under 18, like unheard of. So I really like him probably a guy that I'd like to pick up and sit on as opposed to having to start, but who knows if you had injuries pile up, I think there's a non-zero chance he has like a wide receiver three. Week. I love Brian Edwards long-term, especially I question what his target share is going to be in week one. I think this Las Vegas team could lean on their first round pick and rugs. Of course, they have Waller there, 117 targets last year. And Hunter Renfro, a really efficient receiver from the slot. But let me tell you a little bit about this Carolina secondary. This is a, a man, I am trying to target this matchup in any way I possibly can. They're top three defensive backs right now. Of course, they just put Eli Apple on injured reserve. We're looking at Dante Jackson, a guy who was benched at times last year, a fourth-round rookie in Troy Pride, and then Corn Elder. They also signed Rasul Douglas, I think, just in case of emergency. But Corn Elder in particular, he's played 63 career snaps. He's seen four targets in his coverage, allowing three catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. This dude has just been burned anytime he's on the field, and now he's going to have to stop Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Brian Edwards. If you're looking for some pure streaming options, this is a spot you could potentially do it. If you want to look to the other side, we're talking about a Vegas team that's also essentially completely rebuilt their secondary after you know they let a couple first round picks go they let Gary and Conley go now it looks like they're gonna have to start Trayvon Mullen and rookie Damon Arnett you mentioned you like Teddy Bridgewater I like him quite quite a bit here but we actually have a trade question 
So not exactly a start sit, but a trade question. It's OBJ and Tom Brady versus Jonu Smith and, and Lamar Miller. In my opinion, I think I'm still probably sticking with the OBJ side on that. OBJ and Brady, I think, is a little bit stronger than the Jonu Smith Lamar. What do you think there? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my prior on Odell Beckham being a god. Like he is, he was, he was. I don't know last year if it was injuries, if it was the off. I mean, it was all of those things. It was he was he was banged up and playing through it all year. The offense just utterly collapsed. Now they've revamped their offensive line, giving Baker Mayfield time to throw. I think Odo Beckham will return to not entirely what we saw in, you know, when he was with the Giants, but I think his talent will get a, finally get a chance to shine through with Cleveland. I'm, I'm trying to buy on him, so I'm, I'm keeping that side of the trade here. For sure. We had another question from the chat. It, it, not so much a question, but it's uh, Alan Lazard versus MVS. That one's a head scratcher. That's another game I think you could potentially look to some streamers. It's, I think, quietly a good matchup with Minnesota replacing four of their starting defensive backs. It looks like the top three receivers are locked in for Green Bay at this point. We know Devonta Adams is the number one, but it also looks like Lazard and MVS are going to be running as the two, three in that offense. I'm a little bit interested in that matchup just because Minnesota's secondary is looking like it's going to be porous at this point. They just put Daniel Hunter on injured reserve. That affects their pass rush for sure. Any love here for the, the Green Bay receivers? Maybe a little bit of Ole B.C. Johnson and Irv Smith on the other side? Yeah, I, I hope I hope people can't hear, but I'm sure they can. The train going in the background, but that is just the train of Alan Lazard leaving the tracks, baby. I think I, I don't actually love Alan Lazard, but I do think it's surprising that he was more productive last year than Marquez Valdez Scantling. He was a guy who has a better like college target share, had a better college dominator. I think he was like a, a non you know a non-zero threat coming out of college, and then just doesn't end up like working out in Jacksonville. I believe is where he started. Then he shows up and starts producing in Green Bay. So. On the Green Bay side, if you're if you're looking at one of these two options, he's the guy I'd go with in, like you said, a, a quietly very easy matchup. On the other side, Irv Smith, I would prefer to wait and see because this is an offense that they're going to concentrate their targets to Adam Thielen, to Dalvin Cook out of the backfield, and then just not throw a ton and go with Dalvin Cook on the ground. There's not going to be a ton of love to go around, but Irv Smith had a very interesting profile coming out of college. He was a big playmaker in college specifically. So if he ends up getting into a full-time role, I would be very interested in him, but I I'm not sure they're ready to let go of Kyle Rudolph yet. So I would rather wait and see. I, I think there are better streaming options here, Eric Ebron's or Jack Doyle's like we've talked about. Yeah, I, I think so too. We've touched on a few tight end streamers at this point. We've touched on Doyle, Irv Smith. One guy I think you should take a look at if you're a little bit needy at the tight end position and this guy hasn't been picked up in your league as Dallas Goddard. We touched on this Philly situation at the beginning of the show, but I, even with Rager practicing in full, I think Philadelphia is probably going to start out the year with a lot of heavy 12 personnel. They ran this at the highest rate in the entire NFL last year, 52%. And from week eight onward, Dallas Goddard, he only fell below a 60% snap share on one occasion, and he was above 80% in six of eight games during that span. Are there any other tight end streamers you're potentially considering outside of your Doyle, Irv Smith, and Dallas Goddard if he's available? Yeah, I think one one that maybe you don't need to go this deep because we've talked about guys I like more. I'd be interested in Ian Thomas. He's a guy who I think for Carolina can get. Like I don't see them really having much other competition for tight end snaps. So I think he, you know, he's a modestly athletic guy. He's been with the team for a handful of years. So I'm not concerned with the offseason impacting him too much. And I like this game environment in general. Certainly not an every week starter, but Ian Thomas would be a guy I would at least look to if, if people have already gotten to the stream before you have. Yeah, I, I actually like Ian Thomas a lot. I was a little bit concerned about him. He had a toe injury at the, the end of training camp there, but he's been practicing. It looks like he's going to play. I was a little worried about Chris Manhurts maybe stealing some snaps, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. So Ian Thomas, he's on that Carolina offense that we're talking about liking so much going up against Vegas. And, you know, just to touch on this Carolina offense, they have a new offensive coordinator coming in here. It's Joe Brady. He is the architect of that famous LSU offense last year. So I think you're automatically excited about that. It's a team that was 24th in place per game. They threw the ball at just an immense rate. They were 14th in pass attempts in country in the country. And then they were number one in place per game. So just a full-time role in that offense is super exciting for a guy like Ian Thomas overall. Same question at the QB position. We've now touched on Teddy. We've touched on Derek Carr. Are there any other really cheap options 
I shouldn't say cheap. I'm thinking DFS here. Are there any other options on the waiver wire you might consider starting over maybe a guy like Baker Mayfield in a tough matchup? Yeah, for me, the, the dude is Tyrod Taylor, a guy who rushes for over like 35 yards a game. He's a guy who puts up like a third of a touchdown per game on the ground alone. That is that is fantasy money, baby. That's the Konami code. That's where you get your free fantasy points off the wire. It's not with trying to get a guy who's going to all of a sudden turn his career around and be a great passer. It's like, it's not for me, not that Kirk Cousins isn't good, but he's not an exciting fantasy player. Taylor low-key can be exciting. He faces a Cincinnati matchup where I think there could be a, like a, a sneaky amount of points in this game, forcing him to throw a little bit more and just generate more dropbacks. That means more rush attempts. So Tyrod Taylor is a guy who I had like every final round of best ball getting slept on. I think he could even hold this role for a very long time over Justin Herbert, who the camp reports on him weren't particularly shining. So I think he's a guy that could be your week one streamer and you just ride that out. For sure. Um, question for the, the chat. Just to clarify that trade we talked about earlier, it was OBJ, Tom Brady, and Johnny Smith for Lamar Jackson. I'm still coming in on the Odell Beckham side of that trade. I like Lamar Jackson a lot this year. I think he's a difference maker, but you're just giving up too many assets for him, in my opinion. I think for the quarterback position, one guy I would look at too, and he was on a waiver what, on the waiver wire in one of my leagues, I was shocked by this, but it's it's Cam Newton. And I think people are really down on Cam Newton this year. I know he's a guy you really like in particular. He hasn't really been the healthiest of quarterbacks the last two years. But when we did see him last play in 2018, take this with a grain of salt because he was playing with an injured shoulder that he had surgically repaired. He completed 67.9% of his passes for just shy of 3,400 yards. We already know what Cam Newton is going to give you on the ground. He has at least 448 rushing yards in his last eight healthy seasons. I know Miami has a revamped secondary with Byron Jones, and they drafted Noah Igbenogadine on in the first round. But is he a guy you'd look at against Miami? Yeah, I, I agree. This Miami team is trying to get their defense better, but it's still not going to be very good. And we know Cam Newton gives you so much with his legs, but you said it, he was like an efficient, and especially he dropped his ADOT, and it's probably because he physically had to, he's dealing with that bum shoulder. He dropped his ADOT and was an efficient, short, like dink and dunk style passer. And maybe that's not exactly what we see in New England, but the fact that he was efficient in basically changing, like reworking his game in the course of one season, reworks his game and did it at an efficient rate makes me think that if he's going to be a deep passer, that's something that's always been his calling card. He'll do that well. But if New England wants him to conform a bit to, you know, what they have at their disposal, guys like James White and Julian Edelman, he will do that well. I don't think this transition is going to be hard for him because we've seen him switch up his game in the past and work out doing it. And then, of course, you get the rushing production, which is insane. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised he's a guy you can find on waivers. But I would imagine, especially in leagues that were, you know, one quarterback leagues, 12 teams, you can find him on waivers and leaks drafted earlier because there, you know, he wasn't a lock to be the starter at some point. You know, there was supposed, I, I never believed any of this Jared Sidham nonsense, but they are, they seemed like they wanted to make him happen. So maybe there was, you know, teams that decided to pass on him for that reason. I would check your waiver wire. You know, if there's any chance Cam Newton is there, you have to pick him up. For sure. I was pumped when I had that opportunity. There's a ton of questions in the chat. Thank you guys. Love the activity here. If you wouldn't mind throwing that thumbs up button, that is the best way to support myself, support Kyle, support the entire team at Osmo. So it means a lot. Thank you guys for your phenomenal questions. We have a rank three. So there's three guys on this list and we're going to put them in the order of our preference. It is Tyrod Taylor, Big Ben, and Drew Brees. For me, that is going to be Brees followed by Big Ben with Tyrod Taylor coming in in that order. Any difference for you, Kyle? No, making me making me not show love to Tyrod Taylor, but I'm going to rank him the same way. I love Tyrod Taylor, but it's you know the same thing we talk about. I, I love guys like Jack Doyle. I'm still starting Evan Ingram. I love Tyrod Taylor. If you have Drew Brees in this matchup, you're starting Drew Brees. All right, how about this? We have three options for a PPR flex, it appears. It is Henry Ruggs, Antonio Gibson, a guy we haven't touched on much. Maybe we should hit on him a little bit. And then Preston Williams is the third option. So Ruggs, Gibson, and Williams. Ruggs, Gibson, Williams, I'm going to go for sure. If, if we're just picking one, is it? I'm going to go Gibson, and after that, I'd probably go Ruggs. Because for me, Gibson, I, I feel like you're locking in. This team vacated like over 300 carries and 100 running back targets. Someone has to take those up. I don't think it's going to be much of J.D. McKissick. Maybe, you know, Bryce Love gets somewhere. But Gibson appears to be set to be the guy. He's a guy who I think was fine taking in like the sixth or seventh rounds in, you know, the final best ball drafts I was doing. I was happy getting him there. 
He was an electric playmaker at Memphis. So for me, he's clearly, he's like on a tier above these next guys. I agree with that order completely. Just on the Antonio Gibson quick, people are concerned because he only carried 33 times and had 38 catches in his final season at Memphis. That is true, and I understand those concern, concerns, but at the same time, this is a guy that stands 6 feet, 230 pounds, and runs a 4-3, 9-40-yard dash. Also dabbled in the slot at Memphis, so he's a guy we know has pass-catching ability. With Washington projected to trail in this game, I don't think he's going to come off the field a ton, so it, it's the same order for me. As far as the – there's a couple other questions in the chat here. There's one, if Mike Evans sits, do we start Scotty Miller? So Scotty Miller is, he actually plays most of his snaps on the outside, which kind of is exactly what Mike Evans does here. Godwin, Godwin will be the guy running from the slot when they're in 11 personnel. Last year, Scotty Miller played about two thirds of his snaps on the outside. He already looked like he'd locked down this wide receiver three in this offense. I think Scotty Miller would become in play. I would look to see what your other options are, but what do you take away from this? Are you interested in Scotty Miller if Mike Evans sits? Yeah, Scotty Miller was, he's a guy coming out of college, massively fast. And it's interesting, he, he profiles kind of like a guy who'd play in the slot, but he worked really well on the outside on his limited reps that he got. He's, he's fast, he was college dominant, broke out at a young age. Scotty Miller would definitely be in that like final flex consideration. I, I probably wouldn't, you know, I, I talk about the Devontae Parker matchup. I'm not going crazy and starting him over Devontae Parker or anything, but if you need a deep flex option, he's a guy that I would absolutely look to. I've got him like, I'm picking him up on my dynasty leagues already. I have a few dynasty leagues where I can go and find him. So he's a guy that I think, you know, anytime Mike Evans is out and, and this team plays such a good matchup in, you know, the, the course field of fantasy football in this Superdome versus the Saints, I think he is like a great, you know, not talking too much DFS, but he'd be like a really interesting DFS play. And yeah, totally flex worthy in season one. I agree 100%. As far as a couple other streaming options here, we, we had a question on rookies. I think a lot of these rookies are considered streaming options. The question is, which rookies do you see having the highest ceiling in week one? If we're talking receivers, which is what I think this question is getting at, of course, uh, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then Jonathan Taylor would be the guy probably of second. But if we're going to limit this to wide receivers with big ceilings, I would say rugs. I would say a guy like CeeDee Lamb playing in that high-powered Dallas offense. But what do you think about this? Yeah, I think you you named the two guys. I'll throw in a third that I think if he's playing, I'm not sure how healthy it would be. Brandon Ayuk was a big, like a yak monster in college. And that's exactly what he, like, that's what his offense, the Shanahan system is going to want him to do. It seems like if it breaks the way that Debo Samuel is out and Brandon Ayuk is in, he is by far their number one receiver. Obviously George Kittle, the number one, like receiving option, but being the number one wide receiver in this offense against a bad character, a bad, uh, you know, a bad defense in Arizona with a good offense. So it could just be an awesome shootout. He's a guy that I think would be absolutely flex worthy. He probably, if Debo Sam is out and he's in and we get some reports that he's going to be, you know, modestly healthy, as healthy as a guy coming off some injuries can be, I would think he's at least flex worthy, you know, maybe even like more upside than that. Yeah. I, I love Brandon Ayuk long-term. I'm a little, little worried about the injury, but he practiced <laughs> practice yesterday, like you mentioned, and Debo Samuel did not. So if, if, Ayuk's locked and ready to go. I'm certainly interested in him and that upside. That is a great call. We have a, a how many points for CMC question. Uh, man, I 20 at least. CMC is just going to absolutely eat. I think all the receptions will be there. Joe Brady, when he was with the Saints, he was an offensive analyst in 2018. Alvin Kamara had 81 receptions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 55 in that LSU offense. So what's the floor for CMC? Yeah, I think, you know, a reasonable floor is probably close to 20 points. I think I would set like an over under, I don't know, I'm going to say 27 and a half. I know he averaged over 30 DK, but obviously you get bonuses there. I'm going to say, yeah, I would set it at like 20, I'll say 27 and a half. Would you take the over or under on 27 and a half? I'm still probably going to take the over, just the expected point total, 47 and a half. They're going to score points. They literally have no other running backs that are going to see work. Mike Davis is the backup. Now, after Reggie Bonifon was, was beat out by Davis, I still think Christian McCaffrey is going to see like 10 targets, just the way Joe Brady runs his offense. Christian McCaffrey is super versatile player, of course, can run in and out of the slot. I think it's crazy to say, I think I still probably am going to take the over on that. Uh, a couple other questions. Duke Johnson droppable, right? I say probably depending on the size of your bench, I would probably yeah. look to some other options. Uh, what do you think about Duke Johnson? 
Yeah, it depends. It just depends on what your your alternatives are. Honestly, at this point, like I, if he's available, you probably shouldn't be able to cut him. I don't know. Most leagues would let you cut someone after they get locked. I have no clue. Uh, James Robinson could be a guy you could look to potentially. At this point, seems like he has. <laughs> he can't have a worse role than Duke Johnson. You know, seems to be clearly beat out. Like not even maybe not even going to have much of a receiving role. So yeah, Duke Johnson, depending on your league size, droppable. I'd be looking at maybe if you wanted to look ahead and get a good streamer for next week. Yeah, there's a lot of ways I could find myself dropping Duke Johnson, unfortunately. Any interest in T. Higgins? For me, this is going to be no. It's kind of a wait-and-see situation. We're talking about Cincinnati here, a team we haven't touched on a ton, but it looks like Cincinnati has a full stable of pass catchers. We have A.J. Green, John Ross, and Tyler Boyd's going to play in the slot. We know that. So I, I think T. Higgins does see the field. I'm just wondering at what capacity. What do you think here, Kyle? Any, any interest in T. Higgins? Yeah, he was a guy who I was like interested in coming out of college. But I, at this point, John Ross got listed as the three. Auden Tate apparently had an incredible camp. So for me, he could end up being a number five receiver. Even being a number four or number three is, is hardly worth playing right now when you have like when everyone, for the most part, is healthy. It's, it's week one. There are no buys. So, you know, number three at best, but probably a number four receiver, you know, at, at this point in the season. I, I don't have much interest at all in him. I I he, I he might be a guy you stash on your bench and wait and see, but for me, I don't think you can play T. Higgins right now. Ooh, a really tough one just popped up. Matt Breida or Alan Lazard? So it, there was a couple of reports coming out of Miami that Matt Breida is actually looking like the most explosive back and they, he's not going to be limited to just a two-down role. I kind of question whether that's some coach speak or not. Coaches just love to absolutely slam Jordan Howard into the backs of their offensive line. For me, I think it's probably going to be Lazard going against that, that depleted Minnesota secondary. What do you think here? Any preference between Brita versus Lazard? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take my guy, apparently Lazard, but I think Matt Brita, the, the upside for Matt Brita is that if he ends up being the pass catcher in this backfield, that's especially a team that's probably going to be losing a lot. That would be pretty good for him in PPR leagues. Although I, I think there's a non-zero chance, you know, Patrick Bear kind of works in, in that role as well. We saw they're willing to turn to him deep when their when their backfield was so ruined last year, and he wasn't. I didn't think he was bad last year. So for me, you could see sort of a difficult touch squeeze for Breida, like you said. Maybe they're just you know hyping him up. We coaches talk so much. So for me, I'll take Lazard because I think you know the floor on Breida. You know, running backs generally have a higher floor. I'm not sure I even see that floor with Breda, so I'll just go with the ceiling option, Lazard, in a great matchup. Agreed. Uh, Zach, thank you for the donation in the chat. Zach has a question. It is a half-point PPR league. Deontay Johnson or Hunt? I'm guessing that is Kareem Hunt. It is his final flex spot. This is a really tough question, in in my opinion. I, I think for me, I'm probably going to go Kareem Hunt. This is a Pittsburgh offense that's expected to see a lot of offensive regression any any qualms with that? What are you thinking on this Deontay Johnson versus Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I'll take Kareem Hunt, although I don't even feel, for me, it's not as close as it is for you. Probably because I like James Washington, whereas Kareem Hunt, I think this is, he will have a consistent pass catching role. And the fact they extend him, it's weird in terms of a roster build, like an NFL roster building sense, but it does give me some hope that they actually see him as like a true 1B, even as a rusher to Nick Chubb and obviously has the pass catching role. So I'm going to take Kareem Hunt fairly fairly confidently in this choice. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I like Kareem Hunt. Wondering if I should start T.Y. Hilton over Amari Cooper. This is a question with a little more nuance to it. He points out that Cooper struggles with Ramsey and Gallup may get a ton of his match looks. So he, he's basically bringing up the potential for a Ramsey shadow on Amari Cooper and wondering if T.Y. Hilton is a better option there. I do prefer T.Y. Hilton slightly in that matchup. The two guys I think are very close. Now, I wouldn't fault you if you decided to go Amari Cooper. He would be slightly higher in, in my projections just straight up. But the matchup is something to at least consider in this situation. What do you think between Hilton and Amari Cooper? I think T.Y. Hilton has a quietly difficult matchup against Philip Rivers' dead old arm. We saw last year he was... <laughs> We saw last year he was like 33rd in passer rating on, on deep ball attempts outside or right around top, you know, the 20th spot in, uh, in I think it was completion percentage on attempts over 20 yards. So I, I would be, I think there's a risk. Devontae Parker or David Montgomery for flex. Both guys 
with injury issues. David Montgomery practiced in full yesterday for what that's worth. I believe he was limited to just individual work on Wednesday last year. He, or excuse me, last, last practice Thursday, we're talking about now he was upgraded to full. I don't know how much he trusts David Montgomery as it is, especially now that he's been out a couple weeks, but I think he's still probably the guy for me. I, excuse me, I might've said this wrong. Devontae Parker versus David Montgomery. So Devontae Parker in that tough matchup, David Montgomery with the injury. It's tough. I think I'm probably going Montgomery, just the locked in touches. Yeah, this is gross. Not, a, not, not a great spot to be in. I, I don't like David Montgomery. I don't think he's going to, especially on a team that I don't really see them. I don't think they're going to be awfully competitive in many games this year. I think the Lions are a sneaky good offense, at least. So I'm going to go Devontae Parker here, although I don't really love either one. I'd be much, much happier if I thought that there was really any sort of receiving floor for David Montgomery. But I, I think Tariq Cohen, when this team gets down, is probably going to be their running back. So, you know, I go either way. I don't have a strong take on this one, but I guess I'll go Devontae Parker. Tough one. Me and you were at a little bit at odds here with the last two. How about this one? Sit one, standard scoring, A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and Ridley. I'm guessing we're talking about Calvin Ridley here. So, again, you have to sit one of A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Calvin Ridley. I am going to sit A.J. Brown here. I just This is, again, a volume thing for me. Atlanta, they're vacating 258 targets. That is the most in the NFL. If we're looking from a pure volume projection standpoint, Terry McLaurin and Ridley project to see the targets here. What are we doing here between A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and Ridley? Yeah, I'll take the same approach as you and sit A.J. Brown in this one. I think him and him and Corn for me are close. I actually really like like Calvin Ridley, not only in a good spot against Seattle, where I think this game is just going to be featuring tons of points, but like you said, they vacate so many targets and they also led the league in pass attempts last year by a considerable margin too. So Calvin Ridley, my favorite. Then I'll take Terry McLaurin next, although it's a good, you know, a good choice to have. I'll go McLaurin, but I wouldn't fault anyone for going Brown too, because the dude is like he is sick. He is an incredible, like alpha looking receiver. I'm just gonna take McLaurin right now. I agree. Let's we've, we've touched on a lot here today. We've touched on, I, I think, some bold calls, and I want to get your bold call of the week. This doesn't necessarily have to be a streamer situation, doesn't necessarily have to be a guy in a tough matchup. Who do you think is going to have a big week? Maybe that's not expected to. A guy you have a lot of conviction on. Just lay it out for the people. I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor goes for over 100 yards and scores at least once, despite the team apparently drafting him to be Marlon Mack's backup. What was the the like awful quote that came out that like, yeah, we drafted him because we wanted to give uh, give Marlon Mack some breaks in the middle of the game. I don't buy that for one minute. Jonathan Taylor was like a generational prospect coming out of Wisconsin, three straight seasons of over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, picked it up as a pass catcher in his final season. I think he is, and he's like one of the best size-adjusted athletes at the running back position as soon as he steps on the field. For me, Jonathan Taylor eats Marlon Mack's lunch and goes over 100. I love the call here. Big Jonathan Taylor fan. I, I'm from Wisconsin, so I got the pleasure of watching this guy for multiple years up here. For me, I'm going to go with another rookie this time it's a receiver. It is Henry Ruggs for the Las Vegas Raiders. He is going to eat Corn Elder and these Carolina Panthers. Go for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Be the second rookie on our slate to do it. One last question we have in the chat here. You trust the Washington QB to do anything. I like Dwayne Haskins. I hope he can grow a little bit. There's an exciting offensive coordinator coming in in Scott Turner. Dwayne Haskins, he completed over 70% of his passes in the last two games of the year. Small sample size, I know, but I'm hoping he can move it forward a little bit this year. So as far as Terry McLaurin goes, if you're asking about him or anything, I, I do love Dwayne Haskins, at least in his ability to get McLaurin the ball. But those are our bold predictions for this week. If you guys have any bold predictions, throw those into the chat. We'd love to hear them. There's, there's one, Zach Ertz, 100 yards and two touchdowns. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. You think Ertz can get yeah, it done with a hundo and two touchdowns? Two touchdowns might be might be the bold part of it. 100 actually wouldn't really surprise me. It's not a Washington defense that I'm particularly scared. They have a nice front seven, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop pass catchers with their corners or anything. Yeah, 100 yards on a team that is really reeling at receiver depth wouldn't surprise me. Two touchdowns would be sick, though, for Hurts. Yeah, I, I love Hurts. I'm actually in on, on Goddard. I think uh, the bold call here would be does Dallas Goddard end up actually, you know, with the 100-yard game in the two touchdowns? Uh, you think Goddard's got a shot? Yeah, I guess it's possible. He's like a crazy athlete. He's a guy who I think he's basically just going to function as another extension of the receiving game. Like he's 
we see this with a handful of, of tight ends who are basically just receivers. I think that's what he's going to do. So yeah, I think that's that's possible. Obviously, it'd be bold, but I think it could happen. I agree. So everyone in the chat, thank you so much. I, we got to a lot of great questions today. Again, if you have any lineup questions today, we have the NFL rankings free on Osmo.com. You can head over there, check them out, play around with the rankings a little bit, try to use them as tiebreakers. That's one thing I really like to do. If there's a tough lineup decision you have, maybe you have Devontae Parker in a tough matchup, go over, check out those rankings See where maybe you could get a guy, a streamer potential, if he's a little bit higher. So a great tiebreaker situation. We also have the NBA lineup builder, MLB top pitchers free for today. And to sign up for Osmo, go to osmo.com backslash join. Again, a variety of membership packages to fit any one of your needs. But that'll do it today for the Start Shit Sit Fantasy Show on Osmo. I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. He is Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Feel free to follow us. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thanks so much, guys. Had a blast doing this, and we will see you next week.